Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. I'm so pleased today to be joined by Emily Callahan, the Chief Marketing Officer of ALSAC, the fundraising and awareness organization for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. It's a fantastic conversation about purpose and publishing. And we cover a number of really interesting topics like Emily's journey to ALSAC, their new media publishing model called St. Jude Inspire, how their work with corporate partners are amplifying their efforts in the stories they develop, create, and tell every day, their strategy for selecting and integrating a complex portfolio of platforms to grow the St. Jude brand and raise funds, and finally, the top three things that she has learned leading marketing in two successful nonprofit organizations that she believes CMOs in for-profit companies should also apply. So make sure you stay tuned for that, and I'll be with you again after the interview. In the meantime, if you like what you hear, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn, write me a message, or leave us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen. I'd really appreciate that. But for now, and without further ado, I present this episode's interview, a conversation with Emily Callahan. Okay, I am so pleased today to be speaking with Emily Callahan from ALSAC. Emily, thanks so much for joining. How are you today? I'm great. It's an honor to be with you. Thank you for the opportunity. I can't wait to dive into all of the great topics that we have planned for today, all of the great things that ALSAC is doing, by extension, that St. Jude is doing, and all of the wonderful experiences that you're not only powering, but documenting and amplifying through new things like Inspire. But let's begin at the very start. What inspired you to join ALSAC? I know you were at Komen Pryor. And you've come over to ALSAC now to lead the charge. Would love to know what inspired you to make that change and what about ALSAC gets you fired up every day? It's a great question. I'm going to give you a very transparent answer to say in the beginning it was simple curiosity. I had been at uh, Coleman for six years and done some pretty incredible work. We were growing and, and global Got a call about ALSAC actually recruiting for the first ever chief marketing officer role, and I found that fascinating that a brand that was a really strong brand like St. Jude Children's Research Hospital didn't have a CMO. Um, and my husband, who's an HR executive, said, it's been a little while since you've interviewed. You need to keep your practice up. You should go interview. And the recruiting practice here is the first thing we do is take you on a tour. And I have to say it was a life-changing experience, and I didn't expect that. My mother is a nurse. I've grown up in and around hospitals, and this was nothing like any hospital I'd ever experienced. The idea of the mission here of finding cures and saving children is is palpable. And so you walk into this place that doesn't look like any other hospital, doesn't smell like any other hospital, and there's children here that are undergoing you know, the most horrific circumstances you could think of, certainly as a parent, and yet you find this tenacity here, this energy, this hope, this happiness, this realness. I just never seen anything like it. And so I would say, you know, for me, what keeps me here is certainly the mission to work in and alongside it every day. Um, I have some of the world's greatest teachers and these patients and the families, and then it's the very best of medicine, the very best of science, and working with some of the most talented people I've ever had the privilege of working with, both here at ALSAC and at St. Jude and in the partnerships we get. So this is a, a dream come true job and one where I get to put my head on my pillow at night and know that I've done you know, some pretty groundbreaking work as a CMO, but I'm a better person and partner and wife and mother for having worked here. 
to feel personally fulfilled in that way has to be a highly powerful experience and also too to be surrounded by such supportive people. I've personally said it's always best when I'm surrounded by people who are preferably smarter than I am so that I can be learning as much as possible but also contributing to people who I know will appreciate it. If I could ask though, Alsac didn't have a CMO when you arrived. So I'm curious as to once you joined, how you got that management team to uh, lock into what you thought was the best steps forward in terms of building that organization or that part of the business out. Because I'm sure plenty of people looked up to you as soon as you came in to revitalize that part of the org. And I'm curious as to uh, what the biggest opportunities were for you at that point and how those have come to fruition today. That's a great question. So it is an interesting thing to uh, walk into an organization that for 52 years had been development or fundraising and everything else was called other or support. I would not be truthful, though, if I didn't say there was a fantastic communications function here and some incredibly talented people already in place. But the, the number one key to success in starting my job was the support of the CEO, Rick Shadiak, who joined just a year prior to recruiting me, some of the visionary people I've ever worked with. His father was one of the originals with Danny Thomason founding the organization. His father was a CEO, but he just is a remarkable leader with great vision. And so critical to my success was having the CEO support and creating a marketing function, but also an operations function because your finance and other things are not other or support. They're foundational. So I think that was first. And as you can imagine, walking into any place, and if you think about change management, there's always a group of people who are thrilled that you're here and, and ready to move forward. You know, we've been waiting on you. It's about time. And there's a group in the middle who's like, I'm not sure about this lady. And then, of course, some are like, this is our way and, and we don't need you. And you got to work through change. And so, you know, roll forward in the time I've been here and working with Rick and the amazing executive team here. We've been able to grow Alsac's revenue two and a half times. The brand has been named the highest quality brand of, of any brand for seven years, the health not-for-profit brand for top health not-for-profit brand six years in a row. Millennials are now Gen Z, number one place they want to work, but that wasn't where we started. And so I would say the most important and first step I took, in addition to kind of meeting the people, understanding what we had here, was we needed to do research. They had done brand research in the past, but it was really probably more to validate what they had hoped to hear, not really doing comprehensive research to understand how people perceived the organization and really digging into what motivated them to give. And so I, I always advise people to start with research always and ask yourselves really tough questions and then listen to the answers even when you don't like them. And that's something similar I had done at Coleman as well, where the research showed that they were perceived as a bunch of white ladies who lunch. Here, we found that we were very confusing, and we were actually harming the brand, not helping it by trying to put too many things to the public. So that research enabled us to then have strong data to help clean up the brand here, to have a much more consistent approach and really lean into the assets that we had that people could understand and found motivating. Then we realized what we said was really complicated and also not differentiating. So we did a tremendous amount of work to get our message right even breaking the conventional rules of communication that say, say less. We had to say a little bit more because the St. Jude Children's Research Hospital business model is not like any in the world. So, for example, we used to say no child turned away due to an inability to pay. Well, that's really true at any hospital and others can use it, but they mean if you show up in their emergency room, they have to take care of you. But when it comes time for three years of treatment for leukemia, for example, and insurance doesn't want to pay for some of those things and the bills are extraordinary, it's a whole different story. Then they're asking you to find that money. 
So we had to really spend some time and say what we mean here is that no family ever receives a bill from St. Jude, that we pay for treatment and travel and housing or food. And then we learned in research that people thought, well, that's nice, but we forgot the so what or the why. What was motivating was the reason we do that is because all a family should worry about is helping their child live. Well, once we figured that motivational part out and the rest of the message that followed about our survival rates, that we had taken them from 20% when we opened our doors to 80% for the overall childhood cancer survival rate, but that we weren't going to stop, then we had a set of messages that we could give to our people. And that was the third step was we made everyone here accountable for the brand. It was a little bit of a controversial decision. Most organizations don't. But on people's performance reviews here at ALSAC, from the receptionist to the CEO, everyone has two shared goals. Everyone is responsible for our net revenue, so how efficiently and effectively we raise money, and everyone's accountable for the brand. And so that was a big change to make all the employees accountable, and then we empowered all of our supporters to know those messages, to take the brand and, and bring it to life in the marketplace, and I think that's what's led to that more than doubling of revenue and the brand successes we have today. And then I'm happy to talk about where we're headed from, from there because it's been a journey, but that's the quickest summation I know how to tell you of what we did in those, those nine years to take the brand to where it is today. It's a wonderful summation, and I am looking forward to hearing more about what is yet to come. Although I do want to start with what has recently come about, I saw that earlier this year um, you found a new way to be sharing the individual experiences that you are providing to people who are doing just what you've said, trying to take care of their children in the best way that they know how and not worry about anything else. And that, of course, is through St. Jude Inspire. And I would love to know what, let's say, inspired that, as well as what that sort of media publishing model uh, is doing to transform the business further. Yeah, that's a great question. So I'll, I'll lean into that last part and, and make sure it's clear to those who are listening that, you know, we you, you started off by saying, like, one of the greatest joys is surrounding yourself with smart people, and that's certainly what I did. I hired a gentleman by the name of Steve Cox, who's our Senior Vice President of Marketing Communications, and, and really because we needed to take our communication to the next level. And he came in and looked at the strategic plan where we talk a lot here about the disruption that's happening in media, you know, the shrinking world of media, the changes they're undergoing. And he said, hey, look, if you've, you've had this great success, but if you want to go further, then we really need to be reaching new audiences, younger audiences, multicultural audiences in a way where people are communicating very different. And so we said, let's become our own media publishing platform. And, and not everybody can do that or others will be making up stories. And part of the reason we can be so successful in doing that is because we have unbelievable stories here. I mean, you couldn't make them up if you tried. So often if you just sit down and let a patient family, you know, one of our doctors or others tell their stories. And that's what we found we needed to do was not just rely on traditional media, although that's important to establish our own media publishing platform. And a big anchor part of that was what we just launched as part of St. Jude.org, but St. Jude Inspire. And it's a very different way of telling stories and engaging people in the mission. And that's really what we wanted to do because media has changed. Marketing has changed. It's more fragmented than ever before. We had to move to this model to really grow our mission, grow our revenue, and grow our reach to new audiences. And this model, that of bringing all of this content, would you say it's fair to say that you're bringing it in-house more than anything to have a sort of inside-out approach to, to taking these stories and curating them and then amplifying them through a property that you already own? I'm sure that's a very powerful thing in transforming the business and, and bringing in more in the way of, of donations and, and time spent and, and care 
given. What are some of your favorite stories, either that have been amplified through Inspire or others which could potentially be featured on a platform like Inspire? Yeah, so I will, I'll say this to back up for a second to kind of make your point about yes, internal, and it's sort of a yes and a no. You're right in that, yes, largely we have an internal team, and I think many organizations, for-profit and nonprofit, are moving that way, having more of an in-house model. Certainly for a nonprofit, it can be much more cost-efficient to do so, but just like everybody else, you have to have the best talent. I mentioned Steve. We've also built an incredible team under a gentleman named Lewis Graham, who was in the media world for decades and surrounded that with incredible writers and storytellers. We have our own in-house media production group. But even then, we rely on some great outside storytellers, too, to help us generate content because we know content is king in this world and the speed of that. But it's not just about us telling stories amongst ourselves and just using our platforms. We know when we make a great product, when we have great stories to tell, that's opening the doors to content partnerships and distribution networks because as media is shrinking today, they still need to tell great stories and we can help them do that. So I think it's been a win-win-win for us because we can tell these great stories directly because we know them best. We live with them every day. We can help bring them to life using new technologies, new mediums, tapping into social channels. We've got the business analytics behind to understand what's working, and then we can offer that to our partners so we can reach a much broader audience. And then asking me my favorite story is like asking me which one of my children I love more. I mean, I think about... I thought it might have been. I mean, even just this... Talking about this week, I mean, I think about there's a a gentleman whose story we tell on there. I say gentleman because he's grown into a young man before my very eyes. And Nick, you know, Nick was, uh, guys, you could see Nick. Nick towers over me. He came to us as a, a bright basketball star. I mean, everything says this kid is headed to college and on to the NBA, and that was his love. So he comes here as a young teen, diagnosed with cancer, his world's interrupted, and he's a teenage boy. And so when we would try to talk with him or interview him on panels and get him to share his story, it went a lot like this. Like, Nick, how you doing? Uh-huh. Nick, you want to tell us anything about your story? Yeah, okay. I mean, he just didn't talk. And through this journey here, this very painful experience of having cancer at a time when he's a teen, and we all remember what those horrible emotions were like, he actually found his power through words. And uh, another teen patient who sadly lost her battle and passed away encouraged Nick to, to rap. I don't even know how to explain the beauty of this this young man's words and what he is able to do in expressing himself through word and music. He's now actually created an album. He's got songs that benefit St. Jude that are sold on iTunes. And he's found this, this not only the athletic side of him, but the creative side of him and is sort of pursuing these dual tracks of music and basketball. And also in that became an incredibly generous young man who does toy drives for other patients, who goes out and raises money, who shares his story. So the kid who used to say nothing but, yeah, okay, and shoot hoops, you know, now has really transformed in power of words. And so that's a story you'll see there. Or Dwight Tosh, she was one of our first patients when, quite frankly, cancer was a death sentence. We had very unlikely that any child would ever survive, which is why our doctors in the early years told parents to celebrate half birthdays. And now he is a young man who's gone on to have an incredible life and family and grandchildren and on. And so I'm just trying to, those are just some of the types of stories that we've been able to tell um, through Inspire with so many more to come. Well, those are two wonderful stories. And, uh, and I'm sure that there are so many more to be, to be taken in, to be enjoyed and to be amplified. If I could briefly ask about 
your uh, previous mention of working uh, with partners and specifically with corporate partners, I know that that has to be a way in which your efforts can be amplified far beyond your means in a way that you can get plenty of more people involved and really grow the scale. I'm curious to know from you how you work with those corporate partners and, and how they help to amplify these efforts, these stories that, that you are developing and sharing every day. Yeah, I think our deepest honor is that we get to be the corporate social responsibility platform for some of the world's biggest brands. Um, and, and so obviously the way that they raise funds and recruit and retain employees through that. Um, but I think also this is a whole reason why we develop our brand, because when we have a strong brand, we offer value back to them. So in a partnership like Domino's, obviously that's extraordinarily powerful for us. I mean, the street calls Domino's a tech company that happens to sell pizza. Um, and, and boy, do they. But that's an incredible opportunity for us to engage online and ask for donations, to also collaborate with them. We're Domino's test and learn partner. So they utilize sort of giving for St. Jude and testing ask streams as a way to get out there and, and do something good for the world, but also to have learnings before they roll product out. So that's an example of partnership where we're raising funds online, but they're also the folks that work at Domino's will tell you one of the things that's most meaningful for them for working at that organization is to have a partnership with St. Jude. So it helps with employee recruitment. It helps with employee retention. And then you're right. I mean, we're still a nonprofit. My marketing budgets are a fraction of what the for-profit world would be. And so without corporate partners, we would never be able to reach the millions of people we do who are shopping with these partners, engaging with them, where they live, work, and play. And so it's an awesome opportunity for for us to get the message out to a much broader audience, to help our corporate partners out by giving them a corporate social responsibility platform, which is what today's consumer wants. Millennials and the next generations look for companies that are doing good in the world, and that's who they're shopping, that's who they're buying from, that's who they associate with. And then it is a win for the consumer because they're able to shop and buy and engage in their favorite things and have it make a difference for charity. And so I will tell you, those, those partnerships have been transformational for us, not only in our ability to raise money and reach people, but also, I think, for nonprofit and for-profit to come together for good and, and give back in the world in powerful ways. It certainly does provide a nice synergy and one that, of course, is only for the best of causes. You mentioned working with partners like Domino's, which I think that's a, that's a good way to put it, a tech company that just happens to sell pizza. And the other platforms which are currently in existence, I'm sure there are nuances with every partner that you bring in. It creates this wide swath of ways in which the St. Jude brand can be grown, in which funds can be raised. And I'm sure that there are so many that are willing to help out and who want to get involved that at a certain point you have to, to figure out how to integrate all of that into one centralized effort and perhaps how to select what you prioritize. I'm curious as to specifically how you think about that when it comes to the partnerships that you hold and the different platforms that you're using to curate, amplify, and bring the messages out to the world? Yeah, it's a great question. I will tell you, when I think back on the success, the ability to you know, more than double our revenue. And, and the reason we've had to do that, frankly, is because St. Jude has a really bold strategic plan. We're treating more patients here at St. Jude. We've expanded globally. We're building new research facilities that, God willing, will be the places where we're able to discover cures and then share those with the world. So we've had to really grow. And I would, if I say sort of what's the secret to our success, how do you balance that or how do you pick what tools to leverage or how do you know what to prioritize? 
our differentiator is that we really do focus on engaging our supporters at every age and every stage of life in the mission of St. Jude. So that diversity of having a variety of portfolio fundraising programs, partnerships, and then initiatives that engage people where they live, work, and play has been critical for us. And even though we have limited resources, we have to act like every other major marketing organization out there, and we borrow the best practices from for-profit, and when they don't exist, we we lead, and we create those best practices. So we use every tool in the marketing toolkit to reach people, and all of that through the lens of our supporters. We start by being audience-centric. We're market-centric. We think about the markets in which we engage and work and what's meaningful for them. We like to say that the same things that don't necessarily work in Seattle as they do in Peoria, but we want to make sure we have offerings in those places that are meaningful for those folks. All of that's guided by a three-year strategic plan that really does set the vision for where we want to head, how we want to work, particularly in a rapidly changing world. So it thinks a lot about evolution and innovation. And then we use a matrix approach to marketing where we think about integrated marketing and development efforts. Certainly we want to drive our reputation, but for what? For what business purpose? So even our marketers are constantly thinking about how we meet our audiences, grow our audiences, and motivate them to get engaged with us, ultimately making donations. Because in the St. Jude business model, unlike others, more than 75% of the money to operate and grow St. Jude has to be raised every year. We have to do that here at ALSAC. And that's in order for us to support the St. Jude operating budget, which is over a billion dollars this year. So we really have to think in an integrated way. And then that allows our teams to think about where are audiences, what are people thinking about, what's going on in the world, and how do we fit into that in a way that's motivating to them so they'll ultimately give to St. Jude. And then all of that, as we go through, we don't just push out. We really test and listen and learn. Data guides what we do, and so does research, so that we are constantly learning and evolving um, and tweaking or sunsetting things that are not working as we go along, and that helps us also with prioritization to be as efficient and effective as we can. Well, that's certainly, it's very interesting to hear that uh, there are potentially some, well, not potentially, definitely some similarities between how a nonprofit can approach as opposed to a for-profit could approach this. And I was I was tipped off coming into this interview that there are a number of things which, from your experience in leading two successful nonprofits, that you believe that CMOs in the for-profit sector should apply to their own strategies. And I've been told that there is a top three. Okay, so I'd love to know <laughs> from you what's, the, I mean, you know, maybe it's a little secret sauce, I don't know, but what are those top three things that you have learned through these experiences that you believe that other CMOs could uh, grow with? I love the question, I do, and I have to say, I, it has been a dream come true for me to see, as I sit on the board for the ANA and work with other marketers, to see that the word purpose has now entered the conversation for everyone. And that's exactly where I tell people to start. First, purpose matters. You have to find the purpose, the why behind the work, and it has to be aspirational. You've got to dream big. So I always tell people, be visionary, be bold, be strategic and innovative to achieve that why you do what you do, because we know we spend much of our lives at work, so we need to make it count for something more than the bottom line. And I think that's where you see for-profits starting to move, is trying to not just sell product, move widgets, is to having a greater purpose for good. But the trick with that, and this is my second point, is authenticity is critical. It has to be authentic. It has to be real. You know, purpose has to be true 
to the organization and your people have to be able to make that purpose come to life. Um, and so we talk about this idea, and I know our team believes this, your reputation is your currency. Our CEO has a saying here, we all put into practice, we show up every day to interview for our job. And I think for us it's a little bit easier because we never forget that our work and our jobs are only made possible by people who have sacrificed to give to here. So sometimes that just reminder helps us make some, some sharper, more critical decision-making and to really prioritize because we know others have sacrificed. And that brings me to my third, talking about people. We started with this earlier. From my perspective, you're only as good as your people. And so I think you have to hire great people with drive and energy, people who are smarter than you and will challenge you. And then I think you have to be compassionate and caring about the people that you have the privilege of leading to help them reach their potential. And I'll say this, you know, people often think because we are a nonprofit and maybe we can't pay it for profit levels that we don't get the best people. Our COO was recently meeting with a former people officer from a major brand on the West Coast, and we were talking about this need to hire tech and data-driven talent, and we were lamenting about how hard that's been. And she said to us, you don't have a recruiting problem, you have a story problem. And she said, you see, we're recruiting exactly the same people you are. And when they sit down to talk to me, the first thing they don't ask, they don't ask first about salary or benefits or career growth. The first thing they want to know about is purpose. What's this company about and how are they going to be able to do good to their roles? Well, you have that built in in spades. And so I think hearing that just reminded us that now we can do the same work that for-profits do. We may not make as much, but we do it with extreme purpose. And that's just, if not more valuable for a lot of the people that work here. Of course, being purpose-driven has become a white-hot priority in, I mean, at least the past year, obviously much, much before that, but I hear everybody talking about that today, and of course, being authentic within that, um, that's a great thing to hear, and obviously, I, I could have assumed that it was that it was reflected here, too, so I'm glad to hear that's one of your uh, top three um, in that list. That's wonderful to hear. After hearing all of this, and that's great because I normally ask my guests at the end how they can inspire people to become more authentic in their messaging, but you've just done that. How about instead <laughs> we will ask something that is a little bit more St. Jude focused, and that is if somebody is inspired through this podcast, through other things that they hear to support the St. Jude mission further, what are some new ways, some upcoming ways in which people can do that? Uh, what a gift of a question. I've got to start with the obvious first that Obviously, you can join our mission by visiting our website, thinkjude.org, and, and giving if you can feel compelled to do that. And I will just, I'll say that in this way, and I, I made the point earlier, this mission and St. Jude Children's Research Hospital literally cannot exist without the support of donors. Unfortunately, insurance doesn't cover a lot of what we do to take care of our kids. We know research funding is flat and declining at best. And so in order for St. Jude to really continue to help address cancer for children and do that globally as long as as well as other life-threatening diseases we need people to support us so i always say if you feel so compelled to give and our founder had a fantastic phrase danny thomas said i'd rather have a dollar from a million people than a million from one and while we love big gifts and we appreciate that and we've had a few in our history this mission, and I think that's what's so powerful about St. Jude, is propelled by small gifts. And so those dollars, those pennies from children, you know, those 10 and $20, that they matter. And so we hope that people will consider that. I think, you know, we also are really in trying to engage people more nationwide to help volunteer and engage with us. We do 31,000 events a year. 
So I'm pretty sure that we can find a space and place for everybody to get engaged and find something that they're passionate about. And then I think the other is just the power of people, word of mouth, to share stories. So when people go and visit St. Jude Inspire, when they follow our social media channels, when they share that content, it's powerful. We had a, a for example, at Valentine's Day, there was a woman who, honestly, I can't figure out if she, any direct connection to our mission. I don't believe she was a patient here or related to one. She was really moved at Valentine's Day and asked her network of people to support St. Jude. Over 100,000 people shared that post, and she brought in hundreds and hundreds of new emails for us of people who said, hey, I want to support and get involved. I mean, that's just the power of one person to make a difference, and you don't have to be a celebrity or major corporation to do that. So liking and sharing our content, visiting St. Jude Inspire, if for nothing else, I can promise you, in a world that has a lot of negativity in it, I can absolutely promise you we'll live up to the name of St. Jude Inspire and be that bright spot in your day that reminds you that there's still a lot of good left in the world and maybe you just need that motivation that you need to get through a day. Well, folks, you heard it here. I mean, it seems that even at the most grassroots of levels, obviously at the largest of scales as well, there are so many different ways to support this mission, and I would highly encourage you to do so. Emily, this has been a wonderfully illuminating conversation. I really appreciate all of the different takes you had, both on the business side and on the mission side. And it's just been a pleasure to talk. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thanks so much to Emily Callahan for joining us on the podcast today. It's so wonderful to hear about what is going on at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and also to learn about all of the ways in which we can help. It was great speaking with you. If you enjoyed the conversation as well, of course, please go and support St. Jude in any way that you can. But also, as I mentioned before the interview, if you like what you heard, feel free to reach out to us in any number of ways, either via LinkedIn or Twitter at Vavoom Podcast or on iTunes or wherever you listen via leaving a rating and review. We'd love to hear that feedback and we'd love to hear what you'd like to hear next. As always, I'll be back again in two weeks with another fantastic story about how another top marketer is injecting authenticity into their strategy and storytelling every day. Until then, and for Authentic Influence, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time.